Happy holidays, folks, wherever you may be. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. Fixing and blitzing and all. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Shirley You Can't Be Serious podcast. You are about to join the jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the North Pole. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jason, roll over, let him scratch your belly. <laughs> Is that a shotgun in your pocket? You're just happy to see. Okay, we are back today with part two of our comparison of the movie Scrooge from 1988 and Christmas Vacation from 1989. A big matchup between Mr. Bill Murray and Mr. Chevy Chase, who have been at odds since the mid-70s. They got in a fist fight backstage at Saturday Night Live. I watched a video on this. They've become friendly since then. I'm calling BS. According to Chevy Chase, they've gone golfing together. That's water under the bridge. But Bill Murray replaced Chevy Chase. Chevy was gone. Alf making, you know, he left all those guys in a lurch on Saturday Night Live. He's Absolutely, off yeah. being Mr. Movie Star. He thought he was going to be a star. And he, he is. He was. Oh, yeah. He went off and made foul play with Goldie Hawn, and yeah. he's out there smooching Goldie Hawn while everybody's back there working at Saturday Night Live. Right. Anyway, he came back to guest host Saturday Night Live in 1978. Yeah. Well, it turns out John Belushi was a little bit jealous of his success. Uh-huh. And so found out later that John Belushi had been kind of stoking the fire about Bill Murray, about Chevy Chase being a freaking jerk. Oh, okay. And so when he came back, they had some words. Anyway, Chevy Chase went to the dressing room right before the show goes on live TV uh-huh. and told Bill Murray, he said, don't ever talk to me like that again. If you do, I'll knock your head off. And Bill Murray got up and charged him. Yeah. And it was on like Donkey Kong. I'm from Chicago, jerk. <laughs> we are the bears, okay? Yeah. Then John Belushi actually had to wedge between them. This is five <laughs> minutes before you go live from New York on Saturday night. That is awesome. And yeah. then, of course, they did Caddyshack, and they've become friendly since then. So. Yeah. Okay, I just got to mention, Yeah. we talked in our last episode about casting, and, there's, and we talked about cameos, but there's just a couple cameos, not really acting cameos, but cameos that I wanted to throw out there. And it's music cameos. They're walking through the street and talking in Scrooge. Bill Murray is talking to John, John Murray. Murray. Uh-huh. They're brothers, right? And they go past these street musicians, right? Well, the first one you see is Miles Davis. I mean, icon. <laughs> I like know, right? Maybe the most famous jazz musician of all time. Yes. He's playing with a few other guys. One of those is David Sanborn who does all of the music for the Lethal Weapons. He plays the saxophone. He's got that wicked saxophone that you hear in all the Lethal Weapon movies. Yes. And then the third guy that's there is Mr. Paul Late Show Schaefer playing the piano, who, of course, he's going to be there because he was the guy who would also play piano on Saturday Night Live when Bill Murray would do his lounge singer act, Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars. Paul Schaefer is the same person that Ronnie Spector called cute like Woody Allen. <laughs> Remember that? No, I don't. Yes, I... from our Dirty Dancing soundtrack episode. I'll be sure and go check that out. Dirty <laughs> Dancing versus Saturday Night Fever. Yes. Paul Schaefer is like, thank you. <laughs> okay, Jason, it is Christmas time. It is Christmas time. And there are some folks out there looking for the perfect package under their tree. 
Yes. But what they should be doing is trimming their tree. <laughs> trimming their package. Yes. Well, guys, here's the deal. If you've got a present, it looks a lot bigger when your tree is properly trimmed. Hey, Mrs. Claus will appreciate you keeping your tree trimmed. Yes. So this holiday season, be sure and get yourself or your loved one a Manscaped product. It cleans you up. It makes you smell good. It is totally worth it, and it is the perfect holiday package to get that's right all you got to do is go to manscaped.com and put in the code serious 20 to get 20 percent off yeah it's better than milk and cookies <laughs> <laughs> whack it whack it Let's talk about the opening of these two movies, okay? Did you see these in the theater? I can say with some firmness that I saw Scrooge in the theater. I remember seeing that one in the theater. Okay. Christmas Vacation, I think I saw in the theater. I will tell you this. When I first saw Scrooge, loved it. Yes. When I first saw Christmas Vacation, did not like it. Really? I did not like it. For the longest time, I would be like... It's number three out of those first three, right? I yep. mean, number one, <laughs> original vacation, right. number two, European, number three, Christmas. But then years and years have passed since then. It's been over three decades now, and Christmas vacation has crept to the top of that trilogy list for me. Okay. Interesting. And it's just the rewatching, right? I mean, you know, everybody knows it's a wonderful life because Frank Capra let the rights go too early. So it got to be on TV and it would show up every year. Every year you'd see it. Right. And with Christmas Vacation, it's kind of the same thing. NBC would get the rights to broadcast Christmas Vacation in December every year. And so it was just something it was a go to. And by now, it's like I said, it's part of the lexicon. We quote it, we love it, and it's become near and dear to everyone's hearts and me too i absolutely love it i watch it every single year and i think it's great yeah so i did not see scrooge in the theater hmm. and i didn't see that until i mean two three or four years later maybe five years later i i didn't see that until much much later christmas vacation i know i saw that with patreon member chris bauer oh wow okay. i think we went on a double date and i think if my memory's right we saw tango and cash on friday night <laughs> and christmas vacation on saturday night yeah and uh, it was a great weekend. Scrooge was released November 23rd, 1988, which is notable because when Bill Murray looks at his watch, when they go back in time, it 1955, doesn't... 1955, by the way. Yes? Hello, Back to the Future. November 5th, 1955. So when he looks, it says November 23rd. It's kind of weird because it's supposed to take place on Christmas Eve. Okay. It says November 23rd. Well, that was the date that the movie was being released. Oh. Uh, so a little bit. Okay, I got you. Budget on Scrooge was $32 million and it made... $100 million worldwide. That's pretty good. It's a big hit. Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. But it's not regarded in the same way that Christmas Vacation is. I'm telling you, it's about the test of time and the rebroadcast over and over again. Uh, it, yeah, I think you're right. So Christmas Vacation, budget $28 million, worldwide $74 million. It didn't do as well. It did not do as well. So people are basically in my same camp. Like I, for all of you who at the point that I said, this was kind of meh for me or I didn't like it as well. Hey, guess what? I was in the majority on that one. I just, you know, I'm willing to admit to it. That was just something that I think kind of everybody thought this wasn't that great. It's just something about the passage of time. By the way, I've talked about this before. I love 1989. I think the movies released in 1989 stack up pretty well with everything but maybe 1984. Christmas Vacation came in at number two in the box office for two weeks before it reached the number one spot. Okay. Any idea what the number one movie was? This is December of 1989. Last Crusade? Nope. Good okay. guess, though. Yeah. Back to the Future 2 was released on Thanksgiving of 1989. There you go. Couldn't compete with that. Yeah. 
Red Letter Day in history, I told you. That's exactly right. <laughs> By the way, just real quick, as long as we're talking those dates, mm-hmm. the next date that you see after that 1955 is 1968. Yes. And he's walking down the sidewalk, and Karen Allen comes out of the store and smacks him in the face with the door. You remember that part? Yeah, I do. Well, if you look in the store very prominently, you can see a Velvet Underground album. It's the white one with the banana on it. It's the Andy Warhol yeah. album, which actually you could peel the banana on that album. The only reason I know it is because we were talking about album covers a couple of weeks ago with our friends. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, I recognize it. I was like, wow, was it out? Yep. Velvet Underground album came out in 67. This was 1968. It was absolutely the perfect album to stick up on the wall. Well done, Sec Decorators. Nice, nice. By the way, I wanted to bring this up to you. I forgot to mention this to you. Yeah. When Lee Majors comes in the night the reindeer died, takes over and shoots bad guys and protects Santa and the elves and the North Pole, that gun that he uses is the same gun that Jesse Ventura uses in Predator. Wow, nice. It's obviously a throwback to that. That whole concept of the big action hero guys that were going on in the in the eighties. Oh wow, that's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. Okay, I wish he would have said that he didn't have time to bleed. But yeah. So on that note, for just one more Kurt Russell connection, if you will. Okay. In Christmas Vacation, at the very first scene, the the hillbillies in the truck. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. That, that's tailgating them. Yeah, 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 yeah. That truck is the same truck that's in Overboard. With Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Dude, that is awesome. You're blowing my mind here. Uh, thanks. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Before we get into tidbits, I want to talk about the songs for just a second. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have composers or something? Okay. So do you know who the composer was for Scrooge? Actually, yes, I do. I was going to say, you should, because yes. we've talked about him before. We talked about him in our Dark Knight episode versus... Batman. Batman. It is Mr. Danny Elfman himself, Mr. Simpsons, Mr. Anything Tim Burton that you want to hear. By the way, I'm really enjoying the new Wednesday series. I think it's fantastic. Have you seen it? I have not. Oh, it's great. I love it. Okay. Anyway, he is the composer in this one, and I was totally shocked to see that he was our guy. Danny Elfman has a very distinct sound, and I don't hear it. I don't hear it in this. He even said he was kind of disappointed with the music in this one. He did find a sound that he ended up using a bunch and other stuff, but this isn't really his style. It's kind of just more generically Christmas. It's well-placed. It's good. He's got the creepy tones down, as Danny Elfman would, of course. Right. But it's barely noticeable. It's barely it's barely noticeable as Danny Elfman. Right. Now, for the soundtrack, they had an original piece of music come out with Annie Lennox and Al Green. Yes. Mr. Al Green, who... Who had been big in the 70s. I got an album of his right over there. Yeah, I know. But he had stopped singing and become a preacher. Oh, yeah, okay. He was a preacher at this point that this movie comes out. But this is, I mean, it's a happy Christmas song, but it's it's a secular song. He actually caught flack for doing it, like for not making a religious song. I don't really know what the deal was with that one. But huge hit from that time period. Okay, so this was an original song from 1969, sung by Jackie D. Shannon. Okay. Okay. So I went and listened to hers. It's it's great, you know, but yeah. you know, it's kind of folksy. It sounds like the lady with the guitar and airplane. You know, that right. it's a little <laughs> bit, you know, just kind of older sounding. Yeah. But definitely Annie Licks and Al Green gave it this boost of energy, and it 
it became a top 10 hit in 1989, okay? Yeah, yeah. Now then, I'm fixing to blow your socks off. You ready for I'm this? I'm excited. Okay, so the top 10 for January 14th, 1989, when this song peaked at number nine. I'm going to drop this on you. You ready for this? Number 10, The Way That You Love Me by Karen White. I love Karen White, but just put her to the side for a second. Okay. Okay, number nine is Put a Little Love in Your Heart by Annie Lennox and Al Green. Okay. Number eight, I Remember Holding You by The Boys Club. We talked about them in oh our gosh. Jets episode. It's the Minneapolis Wham! And number eight. <laughs> this is the one where they earned the exclamation point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> number um, seven is Smooth Criminal by Michael Jackson. Huge. Number six, In Your Room by The Bangles. Yeah. Number five, cool. Armageddon It by Def Leppard. Oh my gosh. Number four, Don't Rush Me by Taylor Dane. Yeah. Number three, Every Rose Has Its Thorn by uh, Poison. Wonderful. What I would argue is the the epitome of the rock ballad. It's fantastic. Yeah. We're going to cover that album next season. Number two, Two Hearts by Phil Collins. Yeah, Phil Collins, you couldn't escape him in the 80s. And number one, My Prerogative by Bobby Brown. Oh, they're huge. That's a great top ten. Wasn't he in New Edition? He was. <laughs> there you go, Dave Wright. It feels like he married somebody famous too, but anyway. Okay, now listen, i got to throw this at you. Yeah. This song has been covered by a bunch of people. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's been covered by the Isley Brothers. Okay. It's been covered by the Circle Jerks. <laughs> it's certainly been sung by Bill Murray. We know that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Dolly Parton, and get this, Leonard Nimoy on his 1974 album Outer Space, Inner Mind covers. Oh Put a little love in your heart, Leonard Nimoy. That's fantastic. Can I- we listen to that? Another day goes by and still the children cry. Put a little love in your heart. I'll tell you, the 70s was a weird time, man. You had Spock and Captain Kirk coming out with albums, man. Hearing William Shatner singing Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds is something special, let me just tell you. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so let's jump over to... Christmas Vacation. So in this one, we've got a composer that probably most people haven't heard of. His name is Angelo Badalamenti. Okay. okay. Not super well-known. Yeah. Big for David Lynch movies. He was the composer for Mulholland Falls, Twin Peaks, Lost Highway, all of those David Lynch, which are all very kind of eerie, creepy music, which is specifically why he was chosen for this movie. It's a Christmas movie, but they wanted to have him be able to add those kind of little dark comedy touches, and I think... He does a great job with this one. Let me just tell you, the score for Christmas Vacation is the one thing that brings this movie down, in my opinion. Oh, okay. I feel like it's too goofy, it's too over the top. When Clark's hanging the Christmas lights and he staples his shirt to the the house, it's like carnival music. There are times when this movie kind of goes over the top. And you get the, you know, you get those weird sound effects. It's like the cartoon. It's like Chuck Jones and... It is the cartoon sound effects and stuff like that. Yeah. To me, that's where it kind of loses Takes me. Takes his way. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, well, that's so, interesting. We didn't mention this. I have no idea where to throw it in, so I'm just going to throw it in now. Go for it. The beginning is Scrooged. Whenever I sit down and I'm watching this again for the first time this time, yeah. do you know what I thought of that I have, has never occurred to me before? Starts off the same way that the movie that is our namesake starts off. Airplane? 
Yeah, it's above the clouds. It's like you're cruising above the clouds. In an airplane, you hear the Jaws theme, and the airplane yeah. fin goes by. You remember all this? Well, this yeah, yeah. one, it starts off, and it's in the clouds, and then it descends through the clouds, and we arrive at the North Pole, and that's when you get the scene from The Night the Reindeer Died. But I thought, this has got to be a nod to Airplane. Go watch the beginning of Scrooged again and tell me if I'm wrong. Okay, so there are a ton of great songs on this soundtrack as well. Yes. One of them is the Christmas Vacation song that starts the show. Yeah. The soundtrack for Christmas Vacation didn't come out until 2011. Okay. You mean like on an album? Or? Yeah. You okay. couldn't buy this on... Everything had to be bootlegged. Like if you uh, had a copy of any of these songs, it was bootlegged or Napster or whatever. You couldn't buy the CD or the album. Okay. So the song Christmas Vacation, uh-huh. which to me has all sort of those Christmas nostalgic vibes to it. I thought it was a Mariah Carey song. I told you. I was just like, it. it's so Christmassy. Yeah. This was sung by Mavis Staples. Yeah. Released as a single December 1st, 1989. It doesn't chart. Here's the thing. This song was added at the last second. That's why none of the words of the song go with the animation. Okay. They threw it in at the last second. You know, you look around, you're like, man, we don't have a holiday road. We don't have anything to kind of make it more modern, poppy, top 40 feeling. Right. So they whipped this one up real quick, dropped it in over the the animated short. So did we mention that this, you said it was by Mavis Staples? Yes. Tell me about her. She had, she was with a group called the Staples Singers. Yeah. And they had a couple hits. One was called I'll Take You There. I'll take you there. And the other one was, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Yeah, she was real big in R&B. Yeah. Speaking of R&B, another great song from this movie, Ray Charles, That Spirit of Christmas. Christmas is the time of year. Being with the ones we love. Ray Charles. Oh, it's so perfect. And it's, again, it's one of those things that John Hughes does so well where he makes you like buy in with your heart and then he rips the carpet out from under you <laughs> and you fall on your face and it's hysterical. <laughs> yes, right? exactly. So you've got Clark getting trapped upstairs and he gets finds the old Christmas gift, by the way, 1983, the year that the original vacation came out. Perfect, right? And then he starts watching the old movies. It shows some of our (laughs) actors in the movies as younger people. And Ray Charles is playing, and it's so sweet and nostalgic. And then all of a sudden, she yanks the attic door open, and he comes tum-tum-tumbling down. It's absolutely hysterical. That part is really funny. One of the things I like about that part is upstairs, and he's cold. Uh-huh. And he finds, like, a bin of old clothing, and he puts on, like, a turban and, like, pink <laughs> gloves and all this stuff. It's hysterical. Yeah, it's funny. We've also got Melikemaka is the thing to say. That is sung by Bing Crosby and the Andrews Sisters. Bing Crosby, throwback to our Stranger Things episode, yeah, right. which we just got finished with. Yeah. Fantastic White Christmas on that one, but this one is uh, the, the Hawaiian Christmas, if you will. I told you, my, my grandparents had this album. Oh, yeah. We, we listened to it at Christmas time. It's funny because Rusty, multiple times, is like, I knew we should have gone to Hawaii. That was where he wanted to go. There you go. Right. And then, as I mentioned before, you've got Here Comes Santa Claus by Mr. Gene Autry, third cousin to Randy Quaid. Uh-huh. And Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer by Johnny Marks. And then you have the Star-Spangled Banner, <laughs> written by Mr. Francis Scott Key. <laughs> yes, that's true. 
We also have Beverly D'Angelo and Chevy Chase singing Deck the Halls, O Come All You Faithful, and We Wish You a Merry Christmas. Take it, Russ. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. <laughs> when he's singing an O Come All You Faithful in that... <laughs> oh, come let us adore. Yeah, that's so funny. I think you mean eat my dust and burn rubber. <laughs> Red liver lips. <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, yeah. one connection. Chevy Chase gives the flying bird to the hillbillies in the pickup truck. Yeah. Bill Murray, in one of the funniest scenes in Scrooge, he steals a lady's cab. He comes up behind her and says, ma'am, I think you dropped something. And she's like, what? Turns around. He jumps in her cab, steals her cab. When he shuts the door, she's like, hey, you're stealing my cab. She's he, like, oh, please, please. And she's and so he sweet. he gives her the biggest finger. <laughs> and she immediately flips. And she's like, you son of a... <laughs> it's so funny. I love that scene. Okay, so Christmas Vacation, you've also got... Silent Night and The Twelve Days of Christmas, performed by Mr. Perry Como. Wonderful. Okay, so that does it for the soundtrack. Now, there's a couple of interesting kind of comparisons that we can do on this movie, but one of the key parts of both of these movies is a rant at the end of the movie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And they both have a kind of a weird story behind them, right? Okay. So, in, I'm going to have to read this because I can't, I mean, I can't keep it in my head. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Okay, here it goes. And I want to look him straight in the eye. I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four flushing, low life, snake licking, dirt eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood sucking, dog kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat ass, bug eyed, stiff legs, spotty lipped, worm headed, sack of monkey. <laughs> he is, hallelujah, holy shit, where's the Tylenol? <laughs> now. That I had to read, right? Yeah. And you're thinking, wow, Chevy Chase, to hold that all in your brain or to even come up with it off the top of your right, head right, is right. Some magic, right? Well, here's what happened. The cast members all had signs around their neck. You know, they're all standing in the living room watching him go on this rant. Well, when we see their backs wrapped around their necks are the signs with four flushing and monkey sh- and on <laughs> four flushing there's, st- yeah. there's signs up on the walls behind him so he <laughs> you'll see his eyes dart around he's picking up those little cues he delivers it masterfully he delivers it masterfully yes he does a great job with it and the end with the <laughs> where's the Tylenol <laughs> it's so funny right we talked about how Bruce Willis drops the yippee Kaye mother effer mm-hmm. in Die Hard like it's a friggin nuclear bomb right Chevy Chase does the exact same thing. The yeah. hallelujah, holy, sh- where's the Tylenol? Yeah. If any of you are looking for any last-minute gift ideas for me, I have one. I like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight. I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there on Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood Sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is! Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? At that point, he is a deflated balloon. Like, it all bubbled up, Mount Vesuvius erupted, where's the Tylenol? Well, he's kind of the golden retriever most of the time, right? He's right. always the guy who's like just it's he's living the dream, right? We're gonna have the We're greatest have the, yes, yes. <laughs> greatest Christmas ever. <laughs> Since Bing Crosby <laughs> danced with Danny F and K. Yes. Tap danced with Danny F and K, yes. So he's he's lost it at that point, completely lost it. Yes. Well, and he's the upbeat who loses it and completely falls. 
on the flip side of that, we have Scrooged, right? Mm, right. Now, Mitch Glazer and O'Donohue said that the end scene was the hardest scene for them to write. The idea was, why can't every day be like Christmas Day when people are nice to each other, right? Right. And I mean, if you think, in a, you think about the guy who was writing Saturday Night Live and X-rated cartoons, probably writing a happy you know cheery a little hard um, yeah it's a little hard right so they had a, a terrible time trying to write this thing and then when it comes time to shoot that scene frank cross has finally left sanity and everybody's you know right and he's been a little edgy for the whole movie and finally he's, but then it's like this big moment where instead of being the grouch he turns into the guy with hope the guy who's preaching the dream right right well that scene bill murray decided I'm not following the script at all. <laughs> he and so he wouldn't hit his marks. He randomly made up words and ideas, and you can see the ramble. I mean, there's no question that there's a ramble there. Oh yeah, yeah. But it fits the moment, right? It fits Frank Cross just having had this revelatory moment. It's like Scrooge at the end of A Christmas Carol, where suddenly, hey, the lights have come on, and I'm doing all this crazy stuff, giving away my money promoting my partner, all this other stuff, right? But he does all of that, and the rest of the audience completely buys in. Like, I would find it hard to buy in, I gotta say. But the rest of the actors on the set completely buy in, and by the end, when he's done, the place erupts in applause. The only guy who's not applauding is O'Donohue, and he says, what was this, Jim Jones hour? <laughs> and Donner, who is also bought in at this point, is so irritated that he punches him in the arm so bad that he like it hurts for the next three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Donner says, this is perfect. This is exactly what we need. It's a masterful ending. Yeah. What do you think? You, you with it? it it's, I like I said, if I was one of the actors at the end of this thing, I'd be like, yeah. I don't know. At the time, the first time I saw it, I had completely bought in. You know, sure. Yeah. Exploding oxygen tank, sure. Sounds great. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this time, this more recent time, I thought it was even funnier than I've ever thought it was before. But that last scene for me, I was just like, hmm. I can tell that he's totally improvising everything that he's doing here, and I don't know that it hits as well as I thought it did back then. Okay. I think it's gold. Okay. I think it's gold. Uh, his flip happens a little bit quick for me. Yeah. It's not quite as quick, but similar to the flip that Anakin makes in uh, episode three. <laughs> all of a sudden, he's good, and then he's bad, right? Right. Well, uh, he goes from cynical, grumpy Frank Cross to mm-hmm. explodes into joy. And, and that's the whole point of the movie. I get it. And it's great. I really wish I could have experienced it in the theater, right? Mm-hmm. Left side now. Okay, right side. Oh, no, just right. the ladies, right? Okay, no, the real ladies. That would have been a lot of fun. Yeah. But I, I think it's gold. And Bobcat Goldthwait holding the people hostage with the shotgun in the control room. Yeah. The solid gold dancers, the kissing under the mistletoe, Karen Allen peeking around the corner. It's gold. I love it. You bought in. I, I'm a sucker for it. You yeah. bought in. Yeah. Okay. I did. Well, good. I got to tell you, today at the office, like literally at my office, the guys were talking Christmas bonuses and we're, they're just talking, they're going back and forth. And I'm like, towel. <laughs> towel. <laughs> VCR, towel, <laughs> and by the end, by the end, they were they were walking through the whole office going towel, towel, VCR, towel. <laughs> that's that's so funny. Your brother, your only brother, towel, towel. <laughs> <laughs> Last year I got a shower curtain. <laughs> okay, I got a few tidbits. Just yeah, when we cover pretty let's much go. everything. Yeah. So 
just a couple of tidbits from Scrooge. So, so flip the Scrooge. Yeah. Carol Kane, when she first shows up as the ghost of Christmas present, mm-hmm. she makes the comment. She says, I'm a little muddled. Yeah. That's directly from the Wizard of Oz, the Good Witch. Land of the Good Witch. Yeah. She shows up and says, I'm a little muddled. Yeah. That blew right over my head. The interesting thing, we talked about how Bill Murray said, I want you to go ahead and hit me as hard as you can, right? You know, Fight Club, give it to me. And she actually tore his lip. She was she was broken up about this. Like, she would have crying fits that would go on for an hour or so because she was so upset about the violence. I don't really understand that. Carol Kane's a different kind of animal, I guess, but... That was my other tidbit. Oh, sorry. I totally stole that she No, that's okay. She would have these manic episodes where she would cry about the violence. Yeah. It was freaking funny as crap. Oh, it's a She stole the show. She did. And the fact that she tore his lip, they had to give him like three or four days off because she ripped the crap out of his lip. Yeah. And then when you watch him in the movie, he's kind of like, Arr, you know? <laughs> How is he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Her whole part, I just think, is gold. Yeah. I wanted to bring up the audience participation, which you already did. And then the fact that John Hausman, the, the narrator. Yeah, the old man from Paper Chase. Yeah. Yeah. The, the guy who's narrating the actual Christmas Story TV show. We made it the old-fashioned way. <laughs> you put America's... We earned it. <laughs> That's that guy. Yes. Yeah. You put America's favorite old fart on TV. Yeah. 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 He died before he could watch the movie. Oh, that's a bummer. He passed away before they could reach the movie. Yeah. By the way, I don't know if we covered this or not, but I want to mention this. Yeah. They started filming in December of 1987 for this movie. So December of 87 to April of 88. Okay. Donner went to the studio and said, hey, guys... I know it's a Christmas movie, but can we give everybody Christmas off? Right. Like, like Christmas Day. Yeah. And they're like, no, sorry. Keep, keep going. <laughs> Scrooge. Right. Right? <laughs> bah humbug. Yeah. Which Bill Murray does work in, which is perfectly oh, dropped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But Donner worked out this deal where he fired everybody <laughs> for one day. I love it. And the studio's like, wait, what? Yeah. He's like, sorry, I fired everybody. And then he rehired them on December the 26th. It's brilliant. You gotta love Richard Donner. God rest his soul. That was awesome. Donner. What a stud. Okay. Christmas Vacation? Hit me. Okay. I think we mentioned this, but Uncle Lewis, the actor who played him, was age 62 when they filmed this. Yes. Aunt Bethany? Uh, yeah. In her 80s. 81. Yeah. And then we, we talked about it. You know, Chris Columbus mm-hmm. said, I can't do this. I really want to do this movie. I cannot work with this guy, mm-hmm. Chevy Chase. It is not going to work. And so John Hughes said, hey, slide over to Home Alone. Home Alone did six times the business that Christmas Vacation did. On a smaller budget. On $10 million less. Yeah. The thing to remember about that is there will be moments in your life that you're like, ah, I've just lost the golden ring. Like, I just missed out. Everything is ruined. And then less than a year later, it's like, oh, my goodness. I've totally gotten something so much better that has entirely changed my life. So D believes in the Christmas miracle. It's all a part of the big plan. Okay, two other tidbits on Christmas vacation. Okay, one that I have never got fully until mm-hmm. last Christmas. Okay. Oh gosh. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now you know about this, and most everybody in our audience knew about this except for me. Okay, go ahead. And the reason why is because I had never watched It's a Wonderful Life until last Christmas. 
Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So we did a podcast with the 30-something guys where they had me on. They wanted me. Jason's never seen He's such a wonderful life. Seen, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And so they had me on. I watched it, and then I did a podcast with mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I mean, I loved it. I was under the spell. It was amazing. Right. But the broken newel on the uh, staircase mm-hmm. <laughs> in Christmas vacation, when uh, Chevy Chase loses his mind, it wobbles. He's like, fired up the chainsaw. Yeah. What takes it right off is like, fix the null. Yeah. And it was funny. Yeah. But it's also symbolic for what happens in It's Wonderful Life. Back to Frank Capra. Speaking of Frank Capra, this movie was very Frank Capra-esque, right? They're trying to not only get this ridiculous comedic stuff going on, but they're trying to get that Frank Capra feel, right? Yeah. I'm thinking this as I'm watching it. I hear even the people on the commentary saying, I think that Frank Capper even comes up at some point, and then they keep talking through the credits, and all of a sudden I'm like, holy crap, Frank Capra third was the second assistant director on this movie. Wow. Yeah, there you go. Now, you might tell everybody who Frank Capra is. Frank Capra is the guy who directed It's a Wonderful Life. Okay, it's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. We just needed a new coffin. I mean, tree. <laughs> <laughs> at the end yeah when the the chicago pd breaks into the house busts in flies in the windows and the griswolds are under attack at that moment it's the battle of algiers <laughs> go ahead if you notice have you, you may you oh may yeah notice i noticed yeah i noticed where ellen's hand is mm-hmm. ellen's hand is on clark's balls yep she's she's holding his crotch <laughs> He watching it. And he's like, she, she, he's got his hands up. Yeah, her hand is on his balls. She said they did. I mean, they did that take over and over again. She said she only did it on one <laughs> take, but that was the take that they kept. It was so and funny. Then it beautifully, as the boss is introducing his wife, she takes her hand to shake her hand and then puts, puts it, it right, right back. back on yes, it's gold. Brilliant. Love it. Okay. That does it for tidbits for me. Okay, so just a couple of quotes I wanted to talk about from both movies. Okay. Yeah, all right? Yeah. We talked about the uh, how you can barely see them nipples, right? Yes. Ad-libbed. He's really looking. <laughs> and then, you are a hallucination brought on by alcohol, uh, Russian vodka poisoned by Chernobyl. Yes. Kind of a current event at the time, yep. right? A semi-current yep. event. But really, where he walks up to the waiter... And douses him with water and says, I'm so sorry. I thought you were Richard Pryor. Yes. Funniest line of the movie. It's the funniest line of the movie. And I didn't know what that meant until later on in life. Oh, yeah. So, and just for people who don't know, Richard Pryor set himself on fire with a crack pipe. (laughs) I mean, there's just no simpler way to put it than that. He was doing drugs and had alcohol and it caught fire. And it nearly killed him. It nearly killed him. It nearly, drugs nearly killed him and not the fun way. (laughs) Right? That's right. (laughs) In the painful way. Yes. Let me tell you a line that cracks me up every time. Okay. Okay. And as a father, you can appreciate this, right? Yes. When you're trying to do something, talk to someone, you're at church, you're at the house, you're doing something, Uh and there's this weird noise going on that will not stop. (laughs) Will you please stop with the GD hammering? (laughs) He does that like five times, Uh, and it just busts me up. Would you please hold the gun? 
Okay, so there's one other thing. When the homeless people come to him and they're <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, Mr. Bird, could you please do something?" <laughs> like that was completely ad lib. Like he did not know that they were going to start doing that. And by the way, we totally missed Throw Mama from the Train, The Goonies Mom. She was there. And Ramsey, one of her yeah. Last performances, but she's there with these guys. Her husband is the other homeless guy. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, yeah. that's great. That's great. Yeah. So they're in there, and they're they they're acting like they think he's Richard Burton, right? Yes. <laughs> Which doesn't make any sense. It's... It never made any sense to me because Bill Murray looks nothing right. like Richard Burton. Right. But somehow he goes into this perfect Richard Burton. <laughs> so please just do a couple of lines from Hamlet, please. Or the Sam Piper. Leave me alone. Do three pleasure for me. Please do it. It was a Saturday Night Live bit that he did. Yes. I had no idea until we started to look at this. I was like, oh, well, there you go. Like, oh my gosh. they had seen the Saturday Night Live bit. He didn't know it was coming, but he melted right in with them. <laughs> and he, they give him something to drink, and he's like, yeah. no. And then he, he pours and it just pours on the floor. He's like, thank you. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Okay, let's flip back to Christmas Vacation, talk about some of our favorite quotes from that movie. Okay. Which we drop all the time. Absolutely. Anytime. It's, I'm in a room and it's cold. Yeah. Everybody I'm around who's basically our age says, it's a bit nipply in here. <laughs> right? It's, <laughs> it's part of the... <laughs> did I say nipple? It's part of the lexicon now, right? Everybody Absolutely. just says it. Absolutely. A funny line. And you and I talked about how, why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. <laughs> they literally have that on streets. Why is the road all icy? I don't know, Margo. <laughs> One line that always cracks me up is when Cousin Eddie said, every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forgot who I was for half an hour. Okay, can we talk about that scene for just a second? Yeah. So that's the scene where they're sledding, right? Right. And he's talking about the plate in his head. Yeah, and my part just ain't going to look good. Right. <laughs> and then Clark shoots down the hill on the sled and goes skimming along. Yeah. And it's crazy for a bit. Yeah. Not super funny. Okay. Just kind of okay funny. And at the very end, Cousin Eddie goes, bingo. Yeah. And it's not funny at all. It's completely meaningless. Yeah. Do, do you have any explanation for that? No. Okay. No. I don't know why that scene's in the movie. Like, I literally, I'm like, because they had a scene where, like, Julia Louise Dreyfus comes into the RV and confronts Beverly D'Angelo and Mrs. Cousin Eddie. And and I could, I'm like, that would have been a great scene to have in it. I don't understand why that sledding scene is there at all. That's my dad's favorite scene. Get out of town. He loves that scene. (laughs) Okay. And to me, it's, I'm with you, it's over the top. Yeah. Like, he, he gets on this, you know, he puts that stuff that's supposed to make it super slick, yeah. and it shoots off like a rocket. I'm like, eh, it's a little bit... It's cartoon. It's cartoony. I wish they could tone down the cartooniness mm-hmm. and uh, maybe raise the PG-13 level up just a touch. We'll talk about our final judgment here in a minute. Okay. Okay? Yep. We are talking about quotes right now. Yes. And we cannot reach the end. I'm going to let you keep going, but we cannot reach the end without the greatest quote of the movie. Okay, what's that? Hey, Griswold, where do you think you're going to put a tree that big? <laughs> Bend over and I'll show you. You got a lot of nerve talking to me like that, Griswold. I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> Best 
line <laughs> in all of the vacation movies, in all of the Saturday Night Live Whoa. movies. I mean, that is not only hysterical, it is, if not the most quoted line of all time, definitely the most quoted Christmas line of all time. I don't know, man. The uh, Cousin Eddie line. Merry Christmas! <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty... Did you hear that, honey? <laughs> 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 uh, you couldn't hear a dump truck driving through a nitroglycerin plant. <laughs> What's that noise? <laughs> One of the scenes I wanted to mention to you that yeah. I think is just hilarious yes. is the tree when it catches the, the tree catches on fire. Uncle Lewis catches on fire. Yeah, and it's subtle comedy, right? Mm-hmm. So he's in there, and you hear this like off-screen was like, yeah, and then you look in there, and everything's smoking. Look what you've done to my tree. Super funny. So, and then there's also, of course, the cat. And Bethany wraps her cat up, so it comes with that, right? Yeah. And what a beautiful ad lib moment where Beverly D'Angelo puts her finger in the goo in the other package and Randy Quaid <laughs> licks it off. Classic moment. It's lime, yeah. But the cat is chewing on the cords. <laughs> and then Clark plugs the cords in and you hear <laughs> Yes. And there's nothing but a cat-shaped burn mark underneath the chair, right? <laughs> that thing had nine lives. She just spent them all. <laughs> so the producers are like, we cannot put that in the movie. And the director was begging them. He's like, you cannot, you cannot take this out of yeah, the movie. Yeah, yeah. When they got done with their screening, it was the audience's number one pick as the funniest scene in the movie. Oh, okay. It's a... It's a Whatever for me, but I think at that time, actually having an animal die, and here's another stream of events on the National Lampoon's movies. Okay. National Lampoon Animal House. Yeah. Horse dies. Yeah. The National Lampoon Vacation. Dog The dies. dog, the crying police officer, <laughs> the retching. Deacons. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Um, in European Vacation, I think like a dog jumps off of a building or yeah. something. I mean, it's it's a theme throughout yeah. all yeah. Of the National Lampoon movies. A dog jumps off the Eiffel Tower. Oh, yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't die, but... Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Close enough. Yeah. Before we left, he drank a half a quart of Penn's oil. Boy, when he lifted his leg the next morning. <laughs> okay, so are we ready for final judgment? Yeah, let's do it. You go. Me go first? You go first. Okay, so when we came up with this, I was way more familiar with Christmas Vacation than I was Scrooge. I think I had seen Scrooge like twice, and once as a teenager, and once maybe as a 20-something, so it had been a long time. So when I watched it again as an older man, I identified a lot more with the Bill Murray character. He's career-driven, he's got these issues, he's got anger, he's got regret, he's got guilt, but he's powering through all this because that's what he's supposed to do, and he's sarcastic, and he's jaded, and then the joy comes through, okay? So I absolutely loved Scrooge. Christmas Vacation has been a family Christmas holiday tradition for me forever. I know every line in the movie. Like, I know it backwards and forwards. There are some things that are too cartoony for me. Uh, we talked about how when he forgets the saw to pull out the Christmas tree, they, you get that boiling, you know. That, right. When Santa catches on fire at the very end and the rocket's red glare and it's flying around. So there are parts that are too cartoony, too buffoony for me. But this is still undeniable Christmas Vacation. Scrooge was better and kind of rose in the ranks for me. Christmas Vacation held steady. But for me, it's Christmas Vacation all day long. Okay. Yeah. This is really hard for me. 
Okay. When I very first saw both of the movies, Easy Choice, it was Scrooged, 100%. Okay. Because it's a better movie. Bill Murray is funnier. It's better directed, better effects, doesn't have the cartoony nonsense. I mean, you've got some supernatural stuff going on, but it's the understanding that this is crazy. I mean, it's like unbelievable what's happening to this guy, and that's a part of the movie. Whereas with Christmas Vacation, it was kind of just a bunch of dumb, sticky, Saturday Night Live bit kind of things. And this very thin story about the swimming pool and the boss and the bonus. I mean, paper, paper thin. But what's happened over 33 years, I quit watching Scrooged, but I kept watching Christmas Vacation. Okay. Over and over. And it became funnier and funnier. And I think that it's just one of those movies. Number one, it wins on the rewatchability scale. Definitely. It just does. You don't have to think. You don't have to do anything. You just get to sit there and just have a great time with this ridiculous movie. Right. Which is why I think it's probably more popular than Scrooged is. Now, I will say this. When I went back to Scrooged, holy cow. It was just as, it was better than it was that I saw it the first time. It was better. Like, I like it better now than back when I saw it, when I liked it better than Christmas Vacation. Me too. Totally brilliant movie. I will start watching it again every single year. But you and I are on the same page on this one. All right. Christmas Vacation, it just wins out. It's not as good of a movie, but it's just means more to me. Perfect. Okay. Wow. So we're in agreement. Yeah. It happens sometimes. Okay. Hey, it does happen. Not very often. It happens. <laughs> yeah. We would love to hear from you guys. Yeah. What do you think? Christmas Vacation, Scrooged. Is this Chevy Chase at his best? Is this Bill Murray at his best? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Guys, be sure and go check out our friends at the 30-something podcast. They check out movies that are 30 years old. We love them. We've done a show with them on the Star Wars Holiday Special, which is a fantastic holiday listen if you want to go do that. Also, go check out our friends at A Film By. We just did a bit for them where we ranked our favorite movies of 1986. They have a whole series on those movies from 1986 that is an absolute joy to listen to. Be sure and check them out as well. Guys, we love you. Merry Christmas. Thank you for sticking with us through one more season again. And I think there's only one way that we can end this. I pledge allegiance to to the the flag flag of the the United States States of America America. and to the republic for which (laughs) Which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Play ball. Play ball. (laughs) (laughs) I mixed my metaphors there, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Okay, D, so that wraps it up for Christmas Vacation and Scrooge for us. If you enjoy our holiday episodes, we've done Christmas Vacation, now in Scrooge. Last season, we did Home Alone and A Christmas Story. The year before that, we did Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. We've also done the Star Wars Holiday Special. So that's seven Christmas episodes that you can listen to. It's a lot of fun. And easier to deal with in your family. (laughs) (laughs) Would you please hold the gun?